Hello, hello, hello everyone and welcome back to Snakes. I hope that you have been safe and have some fun plans for the holidays. But for now, let's look at some snakes. Today I'm going to be talking about Dr. Harold Shipman, also known as Dr. Death. Let's start where it all began, Harold's childhood. Harold was born into a normal middle-class family on January 14, 1946, in Nottingham, Nottinghamshire, with the name Harold Frederick Shipman, also known as Fred. His father also went by Harold Shipman, and the son Harold was the second child of three children. His siblings were Pauline and Clive Shipman. Harold was always treated as his mother's favorite since, since he was a young kid, but this gave, gave him a superiority complex that affected him later in life, making it hard for him to make friends and have good healthy relationships. Even if he wasn't good socially, Harold did very well in rugby during his youth and joined youth, youth leagues and continued showing some great athleticism throughout his school years. Harold attended high, high Pavement Grammar School in Nottingham and was a fabulous long-distance runner and even ended up getting vice president of the athletics team. As I stated before, Harold was his mother's favorite which then brought him very close to his mother. But sadly, she ended up having lung cancer. But while she was trying to fight through this illness, Harold took notice of the morphine that she was given and was fascinated by how it made his mother's pain subside. Sadly, the treatments did not save his mother, Vera, from passing away on June 21st, 1963, when Harold was only 17. And that made life very difficult for poor Harold, who is very close to his mother. His mother's passing made him determined to join the medical field and figure out how to stop more deaths like his mother's from happening, which might seem like a start in the right direction. However, his medical experience is what took him down the wrong path. Harold was able to chase his dreams and got a scholarship to a medical school. After all that hard work, he was able to graduate from Leeds School of Medicine in 1970. And after graduating, he went to work at Pontefract General Infirmary and got the position of general practitioner. During this time, Harold married a woman named Primrose Oxtoby who is quite the loyal lady, and had two children during his employment as a practitioner and then had two more afterwards. His children went by the names of Sarah, Sam, Christopher, and David Shipman. Everything seemed to be going okay for Harold whenever he had his two kids before the other two. But then while working as a practitioner, Harold began forging prescriptions 
for Demerol for his own addictive purposes. And, well, good thing too, he was caught red-handed and fined and then sent to drug rehab rehabilitation in York after his imprisonment. A few years after this incident, Harold began working at Donnybrook Medical Center in Hyde and worked up his reputation with his co-workers and his patients. He lived, he learned, and we would think Harold would be better by now, but no. In March of 1998, a local undertaker by the name of Dr. Linda Reynolds expressed her concerns about the high death rate of Harold's patients and that they were all in the same position and fully clothed whenever they died. It was very weird. And police investigated Harold but could find no good evidence to prove any claims. So on April 17th of that year, they closed the case. Many people blamed the failure to catch the killer because the police department was sending out very inexperienced new officers and they didn't see that Harold was actually previously found guilty of a different crime and it involved drugs that really should have pointed in the direction that this crime was going in. But of course, you can't just fully blame the police. Shipman also covered his tracks by changing the medical records of his patients and changing their causes of death and lying about them. During the time after the case was closed, it was confirmed that he killed three more people, but there could have been even more. The last victim of these murders was Kathleen Grundy. And she was an older woman and, I mean, he said that she apparently died from old age, but it was found that she made a will for Harold, giving him 386,000 pounds and her estate and her house, which is, I mean, baffling that like, he was just her doctor. Why would she do that? And it definitely sparked the interest of some investigators. But I mean, before getting into that investigation, we are interrupting this podcast to say that we have a sponsor. Have you ever been so hungry that you could kill a family of four? Well, you don't need to worry. KFC will satisfy your murderous cravings and keep you from insanity. Also, if you need to feed a family of four, you can go get the $20 Philip and tell them that you've been watching out for snakes. And maybe you'll get a you'll get 45% off. And I mean, I personally love the taste of KFC and their herbs and spices and those mashed potatoes ooh don't even get me started thank you KFC for sponsoring us now 
let's get back to the podcast. Okay, and we are back. So, as I said last time, investigators thought that, yeah, giving your most prized possessions and all your money to your literal doctor with no explanation, kind of suspicious. So, investigators looked at Kathleen's body and saw that she died from diamorphine or heroin overdose, not old age. And they suspected that Harold had killed her and forged a will. Harold tried to defend himself and say that Kathleen was an addict and it and had shown them that he had written down on his computer about all this addiction. But upon further investigation, they found that, yeah, that stuff he wrote on his computer was after she died. And then, after even more investigation, they looked at 15 other bodies that died in Harold's care and found that they also died from heroin overdoses. And I don't think that he would just randomly have a bunch of heroin addicts as patients, that's for sure. So, on top of all of this, they even found a typewriter that matched the paper that was used for the will. And on the will, there was a single fingerprint left behind that matched Harold. So it was confirmed that he did forge the will. Yeah, nice try, dude. But I mean, could you have made it more obvious? Really, just overdosing them with heroin? And the weird thing is, there's not really a good explanation for why. We all know that he had kind of this amazement with drugs that you can inject, like with his mom. But why he would go to such lengths just to see how far he could push somebody with heroin. And the patients would think that he was giving them some type of medication and treatment for whatever they had. But nope, he switched it out. And I guess I just can't wrap my head around why he did it. Harold's trial took place on October 5th, 1999. And, I mean, obviously, Harold was found guilty for the murder of 15 people. But here comes the big part. This is what makes him one of the most notorious killers in history. He is suspected of killing over 250 of his own patients. Yeah. So he was suspected of that, but only charged for 15, which is still a lot. And he also got one count of forgery, but I mean, that's like beating a dead horse at that point, isn't it? Harold was arrested and made no statements. But his wife continued to vouch for Harold's innocence. I told you she was loyal, but maybe that's not the best decision looking at, like, all the evidence pointing against him. But, you know, keep your head up, I guess. 
Now let's look at the aftermath of this. During his imprisonment on January 13, 2004, around 6.20 p.m., Harold committed suicide by hanging himself in his cell. Many of the victims' families felt outraged and unsatisfied with this outcome. They felt like he didn't get what he deserved. And I know that's so hard for some people to understand. Like, oh, well, he's dead now after killing all those people. But they just felt that, and this, I mean, sounds kind of awful, but he didn't suffer enough. He just got the easy way out for what he did to all of those poor innocent people that were coming to him for help. They were paying him for help. They were supporting him to get his mother's, to avenge his mother, to get the dream. But then he killed them. So I can understand where they're coming from. Today, Harold Shipman is now known as Dr. Death. A very suitable name for him, that's for sure. Now, I know that you probably get tired of me just droning on and on. So, for this episode, we're going to change it up a little bit. And I'm going to have a guest speaker come in, ask me a few questions, put in her input on the discussion just to add a bit more life to a deathly situation. So I'm going to bring my friend Kayla Gerber to come talk for a little bit. Anyway, welcome Kayla. Hi. So what do you think (laughs) about the case? I think this guy's a huge idiot. Like honestly, just cover it up more. It's not that hard. Um, oh, not saying I'm speaking. Okay. From, I'm, not, I'm not speaking from experience, but <laughs> well, it's not like there was any evidence left behind. I or mean, like blood evidence. You know, maybe if he didn't take that girl's money through her will, he's her doctor, not her husband. Exactly what I was thinking. Like, like you're just dumb. Are you stupid? Like he's literally just dumb. Anyway, do you have any questions? Not necessarily. Like, how... Okay. He was killing them with heroin? Yes. Like, just injecting them? Yeah. Or diamorphine. And he said that, like, some of the patients, obviously, if they went to him, like, they needed help. So he'd be like, okay, I'm going to inject your medication into you and it'll help. But, yeah, it wasn't their but medication. It was heroin, like, yeah. to kill them. Yeah. What was his motive? Like, did he have any motive? I really don't know what his motive was. Like... There was no reason for him to do it because, like, he was always, like, obsessed with, like, drugs that you can inject into people because his mom had cancer and he saw how, like, morphine would help her, like, relax and make her symptoms go away. So he was like, I want to become a doctor because of, like, his fascination. But I don't know how that led to, like, heroin. I think he wanted to see how much they could take and see what it did to them. Oh. always end up killing them. I mean, I w- wouldn't you learn not to inject people with loads of heroin I in med school? Like, I feel like that's just something 
that you would have to learn. But also he was probably psychotic and didn't really care what happened to them or else he would have stopped because he killed over like 250 of his patients. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay, so whenever you told me about that, I literally thought you meant like 16 people. Well, it was confirmed that he killed 15, but he's suspected of killing like over 200. Are you serious? Yeah, he's a very notorious killer for that. Okay, first of all, good for him. Second of all, <laughs> good for him. <laughs> you gotta get that fame somewhere. But also, dude, what the frick? Why would you do that? Yeah, uh, and then he went to jail, and a few years after that, he killed himself. So, were people like, were these victims' families not looking for them? Like, how did well okay. he not get caught before? Well, he just, since he was a doctor, he would just say that his patients were dead and that make up, like, he would lie about how they died. So, like, oh. his last victim, the one he got caught for, um, he said that she just died from old age because she was an old woman. Right. But then the will part is what got him caught because it didn't make any sense. He's such an idiot. Yeah. You know, me and her, we were just lab buddies. We have people really mad whenever he died because, like, he killed himself. And people were upset because they were, like, they feel, felt like he didn't get the justice he was right. supposed to have. And then they were, like, how could the guards let him kill himself? When was this? Like, what year? Um, It was in... The 40s? Like, 2004? Oh. So this was happening in, like, the 80s. Yeah, it was in 2004. Oh, that's... He died in 2004? Yes. His trial was in 1999. Oh, I was thinking this was like 1920s. No, it happened in like the 1990s. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. It was, yeah. Well, in 1998, um, an undertaker, like a local undertaker, started noticing that like, oh, you know, a lot of his patients are like passing away a suspicious amount yeah but then they like investigated a bit couldn't find anything and then just closed it yeah that seems unreal for the technology that we had around the 90s yeah but like nobody really well they didn't like investigate the bodies like well enough but then eventually the 15 confirmed victims were the ones that they dug up and then actually tested and found that they died from heroin because, like, it was suspicious because they all died in the same, like, positions, just, like, sitting down, and they were, like, fully clothed. So, like, it didn't look like anything was wrong with them. That is absolutely insane. But anyway, thank you so much. Oh, yeah, no problem. Just that is disgusting in, stuff with That me. is absolutely insane. I know. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Snakes. What did you think about Harold? And I would also like to thank our sponsor, KFC, and thank Kayla. Would you like to say a few things? Yeah, you know, honestly, two things. First, advice, don't, if you're a doctor of somebody that you are no relation to, don't put your name in their will uh, if they died. That's very suspicious. To, um, I have a podcast. It's called Bad Apples. You can find it on Spotify. It's pretty awesome, I guess. Mediocre, but it's nice. Okay, thank you for that, Kayla. And you know, I just I thought it was really nice. <laughs>
and I hope you guys have happy have some happy holidays and enjoy Christmas. Don't die. Yes. 